Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh, your host here in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I'm so happy to welcome another person in the travel industry, all the way from France, but overseeing、uh, EXO travel for all of Asia, including Japan, Alexandra Michat. Is that right? Yes, yes, Misha. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And we, we had a few technical issues getting on just now. <laughs> But I've been, I've been reading all about、uh, EXO Japan, EXO Travel, and EXO、mm -hmm. Japan. And it sounds like you've had the Japan part of your travel. Uh, organization for about 10 years now. Is that right? Yes,、uh, that's,、uh, that's absolutely right.、Um, we, uh, we started actually, we started the EXO in,、uh, in Vietnam、uh, in 1993. And、uh, you know, our founders were three friends basically、uh, that had just uh, finished uh, their studies together and decided to go on a backpacking trip. In Asia, and then they, they saw this opportunity in Vietnam. And then they met local partners because all of our structures are basically、uh, one local partner and,、uh, and the EXO shareholder, which are the three、uh, friends from the beginning, <laughs> plus、uh, another one that joined in. And,、uh, and yes, and slowly they started building EXO in different destinations. And Japan was among.、Uh, Well, not, not the latest one because the latest one are、um, uh, Singapore and,、uh, and Malaysia that we opened、uh, later on. But、uh, yes, for Japan, it's been quite some time now. Ah, wonderful. I'll just I'll show the website here. So it's exotravel.com. And、uh, beautiful website, lots of great tours. And、uh, information. And it's, it's wonderful to see a travel company which has, as one of its core philosophies, has sustainability. And I believe that's where your specialty is. Isn't that right, Alexandra? Yes, exactly. Well, actually, I joined EXO in 2014. Uh, in Vietnam, <laughs> starting as a sustainability coordinator, because at the time、uh, they wanted to,、um, to become a, a sustainably certified company. And they, what, they, what, what they shared at the very beginning in a, a recruitment、uh, interview is that、uh, they felt like.、Uh, Sustainability and responsible travel was really part of the DNA, what the founders wanted since the beginning, delivering authentic experience,、uh, uh, you know, supporting local communities. They had this really、like, passionate、uh, view on sustainability and how can we do, what can, can we support, how can we protect nature, seeing the, the, the dramatic effect of,、uh, of overdevelopment in some destinations. So, so they really felt like I really felt they were passionate. They had things in place, but 
nothing very structured uh, and uh, and and so that's why they decided to go for a, a certification to have this kind of framework and guidelines and having everything you know in in writing basically <laughs> and reporting and starting to nurture this culture of reporting on what we do and being more transparent and accountable so that's uh yes that's that's when it's all started for me at EXO. Uh, my background is not from tourism. I used to work uh, as a, I'm a civil servant in France and also working for several NGOs and I've been studying development rather than, uh, than tourism. Uh, but uh, really passionate about travel as well. So uh, I decided to, to join EXO in Vietnam and then yes, from there, the journey uh, began <laughs> almost wow. uh, eight years ago now. That's wonderful. Yeah, I I really believe that tourism is one way that we can support our local community and the needs of of people in rural areas and local communities as well as as the environment. And what we're seeing recently is that actually travelers, especially after COVID, are thinking about that more and trying to do more responsible travel and looking for attractions and uh, tours, which do support local people, which do make less negative impacts on the environment. It seems like those are the kinds of things that are the values of your company too, is that right? Yes, exactly, and that's what we see as well. I mean, when I started in 2014, when we were, going out and reaching out to our suppliers, trying to find out what they were doing towards sustainability, whether taking any any actions that we could deem responsible. Uh, it was really hard to get any answers. Uh, and it was also hard to prove uh, that there was a real demand for, for sustainability. And as you say, for travelers to be really conscientious about the way they travel and by choosing activities, it was, uh, I would say, yes, we, we, we were not, not led by demand. It was a bit the other way around, which is a bit unusual for a company that usually follows where the business is. Uh, but so, so this is really what we try to do at EXO and what we've been trying to do since the beginning is to find the local partner in communities, among the networks of NGOs and civil society in each destination that we can cooperate with and create travel experiences for, for travelers so that while they travel, they can also give back uh, to, to the communities and helping to address social and environmental challenges. Um, and this is for really the product and the itinerary. So how to choose an experience that benefits to local people, how to ensure that, you know, when, when while traveling, you are reducing your carbon footprint and your impact on the environment. Uh, so all this path for us has been really at the core, uh, developing itineraries and products that address uh, this uh, need to protect our destination and to help its development. Uh, but but the, 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 what we focused on a lot at the beginning was our internal management. So it took us a tremendous amount of time to work on internal processes and management of the company. 
So with regards to HR, uh, to you know environmental management of the office, uh, raising awareness among our team, sharing knowledge about sustainability. This was really uh, a really long process, uh, but starting to what we would always say was, hey, we need to start cleaning at our door uh, before you know really. Uh, Go, going further, we need to to know internally what we can do and how we can change ourselves from uh, uh, being more uh, responsible in every choices that we make as a as a company internally. And uh, and then slowly we started addressing uh, our supply chain. So by first highlighting what we knew was always helping to do good, supporting communities, uh, having, you know, experience that uh, where, where we where we really bring uh, uh, travelers uh, into uh, immersing themselves into the local culture and giving back at the same time. Uh, so we started with really promoting those experiences and, uh, and also launching some, uh, I would say, flagship projects around uh, uh, the environment. So helping, well, working on travelers, but also our clients' uh, engagement on reducing plastics, measuring carbon footprints. <laughs> uh, so this was very interesting. And we see that now there is a real shift. And as you said, travelers are really uh, much more conscientious uh, that travel has indeed an impact. Uh, so it can be a negative impact when it comes to the environment, uh, but it can also be a very positive impact when it comes to uh, uh, the, sustain the sustainable development of the destinations that they travel to. Yeah, definitely. I love that that story, the backstory that it really had to start with your staff. It had to start yeah. with your office and you had to work out how you understood it collectively. And then you go out and you start looking at your supply chain and the people doing your tours and giving advice to your customers on the other side. And I think there's so few companies that are doing all of those angles at sustainability, but I, I think that's so important. And I, I read your bio on the website, Exo Japan, uh, Exo Travel website, and it said, you are one of the people in the business who walks the walk as well as <laughs> the dog. So what, what do you do in your life to try to be sustainable before we talk more about the company? Uh, good habits. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, you know, um, I've been. It's always uh, has always been a bit in me trying to see what what I can do. I mean, yes, uh, just on my side to to be more uh, to be more responsible. Let's say so. Just thinking when I need to buy something, do I really need it? How long would I use it? Trying to always go for the the, the most durable option and trying to, to 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 find ways to to reduce. Plastic is driving me crazy. <laughs> when when I was uh, when I was in Vietnam uh, and uh, also back in France, uh, I realized that it's so everywhere in the supermarkets. And I'm a big fan of uh, of cooking myself, so I 
I always buy raw products and, and try to buy. Yes, as, uh, as responsible as I can, I love farmers. I love to, to go out there and, uh, yeah, again, this passion for travel, you know, discovering, uh, being curious. So that leads you to, to really trying to be more aware of what's going on around you and how you can do your bit to, to be more responsible. So by, yes, trying to purchase more responsibly, trying to, to consider the impacts. That's what I always say uh, to, the, to the staff, you know, uh, we maybe we don't necessarily always make the, the best choice because sometimes it's, uh, uh, you, you know, the best choice is not so obvious, but uh, we have to make choices by being aware of the impacts that they have. And then, you know, it's when we make the decision, it's when we fully assess the overall impacts that our decision will have. Yeah, that is so true. And I think, as a travel business, as any kind of business, you have to find a way to balance the appeal to the visitor. So what are the big attractions that they want to see? But how can we add uh, more slow travel ideas or how can we add less impact around that area as well as having the big hits? that everybody wants to see. Mm. I noticed like on your website, you Kyoto is one of your big bases. And I usually uh, discourage people from going to Kyoto yeah. because it's so busy. There's so many people even <laughs> during COVID, it was so busy. But that is one of the most famous places about Japan mm. around the world, Mount Fuji, uh, doing, you know, seeing the geisha on the street. These are all the big hits. But I notice on your website that you are recommending more rural stays, longer stays, slower travel. So having that balance of the big popular ones, but also please try to stay a while, enjoy mm. yourself, take it slow, right? That's a, always must be a consideration, right? Yes, exactly, and that's uh, that's uh, that is definitely true, and something that we which we we are actually still tackling. You know, how to do we uh, play our part in promoting lesser known destination, in promoting uh, you know alternative routes, uh, in promoting uh, in also communicating on when certain destinations are at the peak uh, and uh, in terms of over-tourism and how do we play our part by, by sharing this communication to our clients and encouraging them to choose another destination or to travel there differently. So this is really something that we are always working on improving. It's not easy because, well, I would say it depends a lot also on the country of origins of travelers. Um, when we have a traveler for, for, from certain areas of the world where they have very little vacation. So they want to hit the big spots because they know their time is, uh, they have a time constraint and it's, it's really hard for them. They travel once a year and they want to see basically three countries in one week. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's very hard. Uh, you know, to to be promoting slow travel to people that have this time constraint that is very strong. Uh, however, we know that on some other markets, people have uh, more holidays, so it's easier 
to promote a bit out of the way, more remote areas and trying to play our part in uh, the diversification of tourism within a destination and ensuring that revenues from tourism are widespread and not only going to, to certain areas. So yes, I would say there is this market challenge. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and also uh, not not in Japan it's not true for Japan but in other areas it's also the accessibility uh, in terms of transport uh, you are lucky in Japan to 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 have a, a wide uh, and very well developed network of transport that allows maybe more easily uh, this uh, the possibilities of going in other areas, less crowded areas. Uh, it's true that in the China, sometimes it's it's really transport that is the bottleneck. Wow, that is it's true. There's I can't even imagine how many how many things you guys have to consider for each destination, each tour. It's really complex, but I I really appreciate that you guys are making the effort to consider, even if we're in this busy place, how can we make it a little bit more sustainable. How can we support the local economy a little more? And I, I think these are definitely ongoing conversations um, that we all need to be having in the travel industry, right? Yes, exactly. And I think for us, the approach is that we really try to, to improve the, the measurements of what we do so that we can see how effective <laughs> We are on us sometimes, uh, and uh, and trying so to include uh, tools and processes in the tools that we are using already. For example, we have this software that we use for reservation, so we try to ensure that, for example, the carbon metrics is included in there. So you know we don't use another tool to uh, we, we so it's easier uh, in the end to get some uh, some data collection to report and to see because we always say in the company we can only improve what is measured you know how do you know uh, what you what has been your impact and if if uh, what you've implemented is successful if you cannot measure the uh, if you cannot measure it so we really have always in mind and at heart, I would say uh, that we, we really need to use the tools that we have in our daily job to make the reservation, bookings, <laughs> operation, uh, you know, decisions and uh, and handling. Uh, how can we include components that we that we will help us in the end to, to measure our action and to see uh, whether we are being effective or not and then adjust. Uh, so this is a Yes, this is very interesting because it, it leads also people to think about the tools that they are using and sustainability and embed like, sustainability into <laughs> their daily job, which is uh, quite challenging. Yeah, and then that's also where your third party certification also informs you guys and you have this outside assessment who is benchmarking you guys with other travel companies and other similar businesses, which really that kind of advice must really help as well in your decision making as you keep going, right? Exactly. That was, uh, yes, that, that, that really to me when one of the, uh, the, the, the most significant benefit of, uh, of being certified is that you get those auditors coming in 
and uh, you know, they're completely fresh and new. <laughs> they don't know you, uh, but they have all this experience also of having audited other companies uh, that they, they they bring along uh, because uh, they don't actually say names, but they can share about what they've seen in other companies. And they really help us to, to identify the bottlenecks. And, and also it's good sometimes, you know, even if now, I'm on my own. I used to have a team of sustainability coordinator, but with COVID, the situation has drastically changed for us. So now we are rebuilding. And uh, and and so I don't have sustainability coordinator working in each destination as before. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's really, but it has always been very impactful to have someone from the outside, you know, uh, looking over at what we are doing and also sharing with the teams what they felt was a success in the company you know to 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 help him to really keep this momentum and uh, excitement about uh, sustainability and uh, and also yes helping us to address uh, the bottleneck identify them and then giving us uh, ideas leads and uh, on how we can uh, work around them to yeah and know, then and then you're informing not only your operations, but you're also doing education and workshops and training along your supply chain, which is your tours and your agents that you collaborate with, right? Yes. So the training, uh, the, the the focus has, uh, has been a lot on tour guides. So well, in Japan, it's not necessarily the case because we don't have so many tour guides and uh, we have a, a self-guide uh, app uh, where we include <laughs> responsible tips for travelers and things but that's so it's it, it's not really the same as uh, in the other destination in the other destination we put a lot of emphasis on training tour guides and working with hotels so with hotels as you can see on this uh, really nice picture i love this project if we, we've been collecting over the years uh, best practice from hotels uh, in the region based on self-assessment survey, but also uh, on-site inspection where we would have the sustainability coordinator going into the hotels and asking questions about sustainability and um, yes, take, collecting data and information on site, taking pictures. So we work with this, uh, this great network of uh, hospitality schools and to to gather all the data the best practice into a, a guide that is uh, shared with hospitality schools but also with our supplier and this is uh, one of the example we also organized uh, a training so either directly in the hotels or sometimes also in a in a more central location where we would invite several hotels and have a specialist on energy efficiency sharing information best practice on what can be done on each destination at each destination level so it's it's really interesting because i think that's uh why hotels like to to work with us maybe more than with the online platforms uh you know uh they always tell me well you know on platforms i i input myself the information maybe my competitor may be inputting exactly the same but you know you coming on site 
being interested in what we do, wanting to, to see the kitchen, to see the waste management, to see the wastewater treatment. That's so rewarding to have you on site and us being able to show you because we are very proud. You know, we, we feel uh, uh, we want to share it. We don't necessarily know how because sometimes it's not super sexy when you talk about food waste. <laughs> but, you know, we've been engaging so much uh, energy and manpower and the teams on this project that we are happy we can show it to, you know, to someone, basically. Uh, so that's, uh, that, yeah, that's really, uh, that's really rewarding on both sides As for us to see that our supply chain is committed and for them to, to show their efforts and having the opportunity opportunity to 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 yes to explain and be be proud of uh, what they've been implementing that's so interesting that you say it's not very sexy to talk about food waste um <laughs> it, it depends it depends who you talk to if you talk to someone who has had food insecurity it's very exciting to talk about food waste right if you talk to like sometimes i talk to people in the garbage and waste management division if I talk to them about composting, they're really excited because they know <laughs> they know the benefits, the cost benefits, right? Mm, yes, as well yes. as the environmental and the community benefits. Um, food waste is a huge issue in yes. Japan and in many parts of Asia. Mm. Um, that's that's a really exciting uh, solution to talk about, I think. And I hope hotels are really at the forefront of uh, tackling a lot of our food waste issues, for sure. Yes, now, no, that's, yeah. that's true, that's true, that's true. Yeah, uh, I love that uh, you shared with me your, your slides. Thank you so much for that. And I love how you have so many tangible, uh, understandable actions as ways that you're trying to hit these five pillar targets. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yes, yes, of course. Um, yes, this is um, this is very important. And sometimes I say that uh, you know, flagship project. I did the the tree that hides the forest. I don't know if it's very uh, correct in English, but it's the same in in, in French. Uh, you know, it's by those actions that are very tangible and understandable that uh, we we communicate and we engage clients and we engage suppliers. Uh, but well, I think as you can uh, you you can see from what, what I've been sharing so far, uh, a lot of the things are happening uh, backstage. So uh, so I I like showing simple and concrete examples. Uh, I always uh, I often refer to the you know the wet towel situation. <laughs> we were before it was a norm a standard when i joined exo everybody was telling me you know it's a standard we give a plastic wrap towel wet towel in the in the car every day for each traveler along with two bottles of plastic bottles of water and uh, and when we did the math you know <laughs> and trying to calculate how many it will represent it was huge you know where uh, we were close to 150,000 travelers per year so it was huge when you multiply by the number of days etc so uh, so we realized okay you know I, uh, it's not like uh, you, you cannot wash your hands uh, in the hotels where we bring our clients to. It's not like they won't stop at a restaurant. It's not like, you know, uh, local people are actually uh, uh, 
uh, cleaning their hands and their face and washing off you know uh, everywhere there are there is water available and you can you can basically uh, stop or uh, and so well, we said, you know, don't you think it's a bit uh, unnecessary to give this? Ah, uh, no, but it's, a, yes, agree with you. It's unnecessary, but it's a standard. You know, it's the norm. That's what we've been doing for years. So if we discontinue, <gasps> our clients, they will be so angry. They will complain. They will not understand. They will, it, it was not about... You know, they will struggle because their hands will be dirty. <laughs> it was, no, you know, they will not take it because they will not understand why we removed this standard. Well, actually, so we did it. We pushed uh, for it. Uh, we did it. Uh, and then we realized that actually the staff was very afraid to do it. But our clients were super happy to welcome the idea. and was like, yeah, totally unnecessary, you know. Uh, and then... <laughs> You know, uh, it became something where we realized, wow, the, the impact is huge. It's such a tiny thing, but the impact is huge. And we had all this, you know, mental constraint where we, 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 we were stopping ourselves from doing something because we felt, you know, we were trying to, we were imagining what people would think about. And, uh, well, actually it was not, uh, it was not true. So, so yes, that's, that's interesting to see how sometimes just a very small, tiny action uh, can lead to uh, a lot of internal concern, a lot of, and, and then when, you know, when you are. Absolutely. When you and I, I agree with you 1000% <laughs> that these plastic covered wet towels are a nightmare. And I, I always point it out when I do consulting in Japan with, with tourist destinations, with businesses, because the places that use the traditional Japanese oshibori, which is the reusable yep. towel that until five years ago, everybody was using. Now, hardly anybody uses. That is so much of a higher value experience for exactly. the customer to be able to wash their hands with that. And so it, it just looks like a higher quality experience and it reduces all this unnecessary plastic waste, right? Like you were talking about. So I was really happy to see that you you guys targeted that. That's real in Asia. That's a that's a really big problem in Japan. This is everywhere too, right? Uh, yes, yes. But it's true that for for some experiences, we did replace it with the reusable ones. Good, good. Uh, we we had a, a comment here uh, from Allison on Facebook. Thanks for joining, mm -hmm. Allison. She says, do you buy carbon offsets for all of the travel? Uh, give links to show people how to cover their plane travel. How do you do the carbon offsets? I noticed that's a common question you have, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, basically, um, we so we offset for our own, I would say, company-related uh, carbon footprint. Uh, so the staff flights, uh, our energy consumption, uh, everything that we can measure for link to our own, what we own, and uh, uh, and uh, and then 
So we did that in the beginning, and then we started looking at the footprint of our traveler, which is more <laughs> significant, of course, uh, than the, the, our own footprint, which is, uh, is in, very small because we're a service company. So uh, we started looking at flights as a starting point because we do uh, book uh, regional and domestic flights uh, for travelers. So we started looking at flights. And what we do is that we use an online calculator uh, based on the routing of the flights. It gives us a, a carbon metric. So it's called a carboncalculator.com uh, online. Uh, and uh, we included this carbon metric into our reservation system. So whenever we book a flight, automatically it increments the, 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 the carbon uh, metric and therefore it is converted into a cost. So then we use, uh, we use this uh, amount to purchase uh, carbon credits from projects that we like in Asia. So we've been supporting uh, Improved Cook Stoves project, we've been supporting uh, uh, Water Fountains, we've been supporting reforestation, so different types of, uh, of projects. We usually have our staff, a poll for our staff, they, they vote for the project they want for the year. Uh, and, uh, and, and then we started looking at uh, the trip, so the ground transport, so, it's the, so the metric is based uh, on the number of kilometers they travel and the type of vehicle that is being used, the number of people in the car. We looked at the boat as well. And uh, for hotels, uh, we were not able to measure exactly. So we worked with a third party that provided us data on our 200 top uh, hotels that we sell the most. Uh, they provided the carbon footprint per guest per night. And we added up. Uh, all this information came up with an average carbon footprint per traveler per day. So we know well, the information is lacking, but at, that was the, the starting point. And then the idea for us was to say, let's engage our clients and have them paying for the, the offsets uh, because we don't, so we are a B2B company. So we, we, we don't sell travel to the end travelers. We work only for uh, uh, travel uh, agencies and tour operators. So we offer them as like an opt-in uh, scheme at the beginning, like you should offset, you know, for while travelers uh, set foot in Asia for their carbon footprint. And we will purchase carbon credits to support projects in Asia. Uh, and uh, and so this was launched just before COVID. So then we basically stopped operating for two years. Uh, now the idea is that we changed it to an opt-out. So it is automatically implemented unless uh, our clients ask us to remove it. And we ask them why. And usually the answer is that because they have their own you know, scheme of setting programs that they commit to. So to, to double their, their effort, which I understand. But the idea for us is really to see it as, a, as, as leverage, as a financial means that we can use towards uh, investing in renewable energies, uh, investing, for example, we, we have uh, this, uh, this project in, in Thailand. We use a lot of boats uh, to make uh, city tours in Bangkok. So the idea would be to invest in solar powered uh, engine so that you know we can significantly 
significantly reduce uh, the carbon footprint of travelers and it's like one of our best seller experience so 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 the idea is to find ways uh, where we can invest uh, and uh, while reducing the carbon footprint of travelers and investing in uh, in, in green more clean uh, and also in the in the preservation of uh, of natural areas we've been doing that in the past as well and we we feel it's really important to do so and to have this like sacred land where the idea is not to bring tourists to uh, but it's really to help uh, to purchase lands that is completely protected untouched uh, while we do support conservation projects and have visits to uh, facilities that are doing uh, wildlife conservation uh, we also feel it's really important to to support uh, areas uh, that remain completely untouched for for biodiversity to to strive again in our destination. You're doing so many interesting projects to not only about the environment, but to really have that balance of having a good successful business. So you have your profits, uh, you're taking care of local people, you're also taking care of your own staff. Um, and thinking of, of the environment and not only from the destination locals, but also how your customers can also, also help offset carbon and do other things which benefit the planet. But there is a real, uh, where was that? You, there is, sorry, I lost my, my slide here, but there's a real balance between the social and the, the environment side. Um, which is, is quite rare to see that real uh, PPP, people, planet, profit and balance kind of, of mindset and really that balance between community and environment. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something I talk about all the time. So I'm so excited to see that you guys have that as well. Yes, and, and so we've been having this uh, foundation, so EXO Foundation, uh, for over 10 years now. The idea of the foundation was really to use it as a tool to leverage funds for grassroots organizations that are active in all our destinations. So we give back part of our profit. So don't ask clients to, to, to join. I mean, I would say for the carbon offsetting, the idea is that we offset for what we own, our office, etc., And then we try to engage our clients to offset with us so to get uh, to get uh, there, also have them part of the, the efforts into uh, investing in renewable energies uh, and uh, and and nature pre uh, preservation. But for for the community, so what we do is that we yes we give uh, one dollar from our profit for per traveler to the foundation, and then the idea is that in each destination we have this network of organization that we work with. So either we support them financially for their, for their projects, or uh, we try to see if there is any interest in uh, integrating them into EXO product. So for example, including a visit to um, I think a conservation organization, and while at the same time supporting them with the foundation, with, um, for example, uh, sponsoring of the orangutan, or uh, you know, uh, care for 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 elephants, or things that where we so we have the twofold approach where we 
financially support them through the foundation and, and the, the financial uh, tool that we have uh, to, to support them uh, in the long term while trying to help them to bring more revenues and have the additional uh, income from uh, from tourism to that support uh, that in the end will support their uh, their activity as well. So yes, uh, EXO Foundation, uh, we try to have this right balance, as you say, between a project that will support the environment. Uh, we invested a lot in, in circular economy of, uh, of plastic, especially uh, because we felt like it was a huge, <laughs> massive issue in our destination. So we really wanted to do something. So we've been investing in, uh, in very successful projects in circular economy, which uh, has been a, a great experience for, for our team. And what's interesting is that in this case, for example, we manage also to engage some of our clients. So then the financial uh, leverage was way more uh, important than if we were doing it uh, alone. So for example, we invested in this project where we shred the unrecyclable because uh, I know in Japan, you are, you are sorting a lot of different type of uh, waste, especially plastics. Uh, but uh, in, in Vietnam, in Myanmar, and in Laos, uh, they recycle mainly PET, uh, and the rest uh, goes to, to, to landfill. So the idea was is to really shred, uh, yes, into small pieces of plastic, all the low value plastic that's not recyclable, and transform it into, into furniture. Uh, so now they have uh, this project that we we started investing with, uh, I remember it was uh, $5,000. Uh, $5, they built this container in Da Nang and started the process. And now they have six operating factories, uh, which are really huge. And uh, I've been, uh, I've been um, transforming uh, 250 uh, million, uh, tons of plastics, uh, plastic waste already since 2020. So in two years, so that, and that's, wouldn't have been possible without our clients bringing in uh, 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 a very significant donation. It happened in several projects, so we try to to launch it and have the seed, <laughs> the seed uh, yes, to, to plant the seed and then have our also engage our clients so that we can grow projects uh, a bit more bigger and uh, and and get uh, more impact. Yeah, I was really impressed by that. So you bring clients in and they can do uh, CSR, so corporate social responsibility, which is good for their brand, but it's also great for your company's brand too. And you can help local communities, you can help the environment. It's It sounds like great projects, wonderful. Well, actually, yes, that was a, a request that we, the, the CSR, so, the CSR projects uh, are a bit difficult to, to manage. So there is this always this request coming in from clients, you know, they organize these big incentive meetings and they would like their team to be engaged, like hands on an activity and, you know, helping either, yes, a, a, a park, a national park or helping a community and really want to build something. So uh, we we always we are always working working on eggs and trying to find the right partner so that their their action will be will have a, a positive impact uh, and will be based on a need assessment. We we 
we don't want them to come in and decide that we you know this school needs painting so they would just come in and paint the school if there is not a need assessment that shows that the actual need of the community is to paint the school uh, which is usually not uh, not what is most needed in in, uh, in areas also when they are building something uh, for example uh, uh, if they are building a, a facility, uh, uh, the idea is that we have the partner that will be there in the long term to 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 um, uh, to develop a project around the facility. So that's that's very hard because people come in with their own uh, ideas. And uh, and our job is to tell them well, your ideas are great. It's wonderful that you want to help. There are tons of things that we can imagine together, but the needs for this community in this specific areas are as follow. So if you want to have a powerful impact, you know, uh, <laughs> the idea is that we find the right partner that will be there in the long term that can help you, like uh, ensuring that the project will be sustainable and uh, that we we have uh, we maximize uh, the positive impact so that's a difficult conversation to have sometimes uh, but when it's so, done successfully so important yeah yeah <laughs> we've we've seen how very uh, good intentioned people have done disastrous things around the world throughout history um, because that wasn't actually what the locals needed or wanted, right? It's it's coming in from an outside perspective. That's really amazing yes. and very hard work, I imagine, um, but hopefully also very rewarding. Some of the projects just sound so interesting. Um, some of the other projects I was really interested in, um, getting uh, communities to kind of manage their own tourism and uh, get local people to tell stories. And this really reminded me of what we see a lot in Hiroshima uh, is survivors uh, telling their mm. stories, but also um, people who are doing crafts uh, telling their stories. Or even uh, we have Kagura performance and Kagura can only be told Aud audibly you nobody writes it down so mm. i'm sure all over asia there are wonderful mm. stories which need to be told to be preserved and what a wonderful asset um to have as a travel company to have all these wonderful community stories i love that idea mm. yes 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 indeed it's it's really a on the ground work so uh, we cannot do it alone uh, for this type of project we, we really uh, we are accompanied and we support organizations that are on the ground because it, it takes a tremendous amount of time working with people helping them to to share their stories also feeling confident to share their stories with others other cultures so you know things that they want to highlight what they want to share exactly so yes uh, we we really like this type of project and we are always very eager to to support whenever uh, um, partners our partners or you know we receive uh, information about uh, a, a project that uh, that is being uh, is being set up it's it's true that uh, yes this type of project we would like to be uh more pro proactive into uh into enabling them uh but it's such a 
yes, uh, fine work on the ground, and it's uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. challenging, but super well, rewarding. You need, <laughs> you need to find that key person who exactly. is so passionate about the project and keeping it going, right? And that exactly. probably fluctuates over time uh, with your different contexts as well. Um, looks like you've also done tree planting projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we had different types of tree planting projects. So tree planting, I would say, for the staff. Staff, they, you know, when we do team building activities and so on. So this is a, <laughs> a young lady that uh, I really like in our Vietnamese team, English inbound. Uh, she, um, so the idea is that whenever they do an activity during the year, we try to find activities that are uh, uh, that are nice uh, for for them. So, for example, this one in Vietnam, where they planted trees in a biosphere reserve with a, an organization that is uh, protecting the area. So they planted, I think, around 500 trees in this uh, in this specific <laughs> picture uh, at this event. And the idea is that they call it the Exo Community Forest uh, in Vietnam, and so. It's uh, they they send us video of the area and how it thrive and and the wildlife that they can spot and so it's a it's a very long it was the idea at the beginning was that our staff would go there plant trees and then for four years we would have a commitment and uh, financial support to the organization so that they would care for for the area watch uh, monitor the tree growings etc so this uh, this is the type of project that we uh, we like to do in our destination for the staff there is also the hr initiative where they, we plant uh, one tree for each baby, you know, we have 70% of women in the company. Uh, so a lot of maternity leaves and, uh, and women having babies. So we felt, you know, it's like a nice gesture when you give birth, you know, to have a tree planted, like a I love tradition. That. <laughs> and it's, it's something you can track over time. And it's, yes. it's, it's something tangible, right? It's not like carbon offset. You don't really see it. You don't touch it. Um, but planting a tree, that's something I can do and then I can see it grow and right, it's very nice. Exactly. And uh, and then we have alongside with the, the initiative I, I shared earlier in terms of our carbon offsetting for our clients. And uh, we also supported the um, so reforestation project in the mangrove in Indonesia, where we planted the, the 20,000 trees. Um, in 2019 uh to so the idea is really to compensate for the carbon emission with the amount of uh, uh carbon uh, carbon offsets and additionally to plant a certain number of trees per um uh, I think it's it was uh, the idea was it was for uh, per twenty kilo uh, twenty uh, no per one ton of CO two seven trees something like that uh, we had uh, the partner helping us to figure this out because they said uh, you know planting a tree per se is not enough to offset for carbon emissions because the time it grows and and there are many factors to take into consideration so the idea was to say okay we will offset and. Additionally, we'll plant trees. So then in also in terms of communication for travelers, you know, you can tell them that you've been planting X trees and in in the mangrove and it's 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 a kind of more tangible than X kilo of CO2, which is a bit 
yeah and sexy again <laughs> that's right i would i would love to also see projects uh taking care of and creating new seaweed and kelp right. farms because those are such big yeah. carbon capture and then actually in japan we have 90 percent of one kind of tree the monoculture so we actually yeah. need funding to thin yeah. the forest and use exactly. the local wood right so it's it's not always as counter it's, it's a little counterintuitive right Yes, um, and uh, I'm pleased to say that we have uh, now in our teams uh, Richard Pierce that uh, is leading a oh, sustainable Dyson. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. He's so helping to save, save the giant salamanders in Totori with his project. That's great. Exactly, and so that's, uh, that's the idea also that we are working on uh, is to, to, to plant uh, endemic species uh, to yes to, to to mitigate uh well, the monoculture and uh, what has been done in the past yeah that's so important um you have so many other interesting projects i found this one really interesting as well um so this this goes back to what we were talking about before finding out what the locals need what the, the locals want education is always a key issue in different parts of asia especially for girls and women right Yes, yes, definitely. This project is very, uh, it's very iconic for me because we start from a situation where uh, the, the those women, so long neck uh, women, uh, well, they were seen as uh, like an attraction, and and the idea, uh, maybe ten years back, uh, from the tourism industry was to say, okay, well. We don't send clients to this human zoo uh, anymore uh, because people were coming in and uh, and were being disrespectful of of their culture and not really understanding why they were doing it. So they were just basically, uh, uh, yes, treating them like uh, like 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 they were in in a zoo. So we. We decided to to work well, but the communities still wanted to to welcome uh, other cultures to welcome uh, travelers and they wanted to develop activities that were more aligned with what they wanted to show uh, so we worked with a great organization it's called fair trade tourism uh, and uh, they are <laughs> the woman leading the organization is really passionate about this area in Thailand, Waipukeng. And uh, she's been there, she's been organizing workshops, trying to work with the community to find out exactly the type of activities that they want to uh, organize for travelers. And they've been like preparing everything together, so ensuring that all the activities offered will really reflect what local people want to show to travelers and uh, and now they are uh, they are promoting uh, this tour we have also in uh, in our product range but uh, I really like that you know we turned a terrible situation into a situation where you know we really have this community engagement from the start and trying to figure out with the community how they want tourism to impact their life and the destination they live in, uh, you know, uh, and I think this was, this is a very successful turn and uh, a way, uh, and especially considering that this community wanted tourism 
to to be part of their life, to help them get additional income, so so, so to increase uh, in the end to increase their their living standards. So 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 that's a, yeah, it's a project that I um, I'd like to see uh, more developed uh, in the same uh, with the same spirit. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. And to have that that community created asset and the community is more welcoming and happy to have travelers visit when they have that that sense of of creation of the of something that they take pride in, right? Um that's so wonderful. I love that. Yes, because we see sometimes, you know, in a certain area, many of homestays developing and we're like, oh, wow, you know, many homestays, people opening their home. But it's a bit soundless. There, there is not this really, this spirit of, uh, it's not from the start, it's not from the community level that really said, okay, let's have a project together and see how we want travelers to know and engage with our destination. But, you know, having individuals uh, opening homestay does, does not have, in the end, the same impact as when it's really led by, uh, by the group. Yeah, for sure. And mm -hmm. it's, it's always that, I think with tourism, there's always that risk. Is it exploitation of culture? Yeah. Or is it engagement that benefits the local community, right? There's, you always have to find that, that balance. And it's ongoing. It's not like, okay, we fixed it, finished. It's like every year you have to reassess, right? Exactly. Yes. It's, yes. it's an <laughs> ongoing process. Now, one of the actions that uh, you mentioned, which uh, we've we've had the chance, I've had the chance to interview Maimizu, uh, which I, is a, a Japan uh, started app, and I believe they're in other countries now as well. Um, but having this idea that you're passing on through hotels and your tour guides to encourage refilling of water or filtered water, this is so simple, but so important. Yes, yes, uh, <laughs> yes. It's uh, it all started from this, you know, this uh, uh, the <laughs> a, a wrap a plastic uh, towel and uh, two bottles per day in the car. Uh, how? What can we do? And we completely managed this process. So what can we do? And uh, we started. Uh, yes, we started uh, engaging our clients and and. And offering the idea of, you know, we can purchase for you reusable bottles. So upon arrival, we give a reusable bottle to your travelers and we explain, uh, and our tour guides, you know, they are trained and they can lead the way and they can, uh, they can explain that every morning, uh, in the hotel, they will find water available. And, uh, before leaving, they can fill up their water and then in the car you can place the water in a, in a cooler and uh, along the, the day they can drink and you know there is this lunch break where most of the time also they would stop at a restaurant so having restaurants engage also and offering the possibility for travelers to refill and then um and so we started offering this uh it's it's definitely challenging uh, because uh, especially, um, so we started setting up also for groups, uh, setting up a big water container in the buses and in the cars so that they can refill more easily, especially more remote areas or where there is no water station around. 
So it's, uh, yes, it has been very challenging in terms of operation. And uh, I, I really like the idea for individual travelers because it's so easy. But when you have a group of 20, 30 people, you know, queuing to refill leads to a lot of, you know, logistical challenge. Uh, so we are, uh, yes, we are trying to, to see how we can improve the process. But to be honest, it's, uh, it's, it's really something uh, where we feel like it's our responsibility because we do provide uh, water and we want our guests to, to, to be able to drink, especially in such hot weather. Uh, however, it's, uh, yes, in terms of logistics and operation, it's really, really challenging. So we like organizations like My Mizu, like Refill My Bottle, because they offer a practical solution. We have our tour guides trained, you know, to use the app, Okay, the station, being able to bring guests. So it works again super, super well for, for, for individual travelers. But for groups, so we had this solution of having the big tanks of water, but we realized there is a lot of water waste because then, you know, they don't drink the full fountain. So, like, how can we ensure that the water is reused, uh, you know, wisely? <laughs> and it leads to a lot of issues. So we are still trying to come up with solution in some destination we use uh, returnable glass bottles uh, when they are available for for short transfer for example it's perfect for the airport you know so we keep the car we keep the bottle in the car basically and uh, uh, but yes it's uh, it's it again looks like a tiny little thing <laughs> uh, but it's it's not so easy and we also want to consider the fact that you know people are traveling so basically, the idea is that they can take the time and also stopping at a cafe, having a local drink, seeing people having their drink as well and watching uh, the community as well as supporting this local cafe by, uh, by purchasing your, your, your drink is also ultimately what we want to promote. I mean, the idea of travelers is that they discover the country. So taking a break and stopping when you are thirsty it should be something that comes quite naturally uh, instead of staying in the car and drinking from a plastic water bottle. So this is really the direction that we want to, you know, push towards and we feel it's a lot of uh, travelers engagement. Uh, you know, also you, when you come to a country, I mean, everybody has reusable bottles now. So we kind of feel the situation has a bit shifted and we, we want to be more uh, uh, working towards travel engagement so that they, well, they know in the packing list that when they, they travel to another destination, they, they have their bottle that, you know, water at a water fountain is as safe in Vietnam as in France. I mean, it's all being inspected with uh, and, and, and certified and so that they feel confident that they can, you know, they can drink for, from water stations and, and that they play also their part into uh, in reducing the incredibly huge amount of plastic waste. Yeah. Well, every, like you said, it, it seems like just a little bit, but it make, it takes such a big effort because the infrastructure is fighting against us, right? To make, exactly. to make these changes. So if you are successful in even getting your customers to carry around a reusable bottle, 
or to use a glass bottle in some places, use a local cafe in other places. That's a huge step forward in the mm -hmm. right direction. So that's, that's yes, and um, we realize there is no one fit all solution. <laughs> it's uh, it's too complex. So so the idea is that yes, we 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 work uh, at the pace of each destination, and we work a bit differently. But uh, our tour guides being really our ambassador on this, and uh, having them involved really makes a difference. Tour guides and drivers when they are uh, so that you know they can they are they are the link <laughs> between local local communities what's happening locally and uh, and uh, and travelers so yes it's also we 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 talk a lot about that in the tour guide training so that they really feel it's also their responsibility to help travelers along and uh, and and in the end reduce the amounts of uh, plastic waste and the traveler also feels like they have a higher quality experience because we know the travelers are thinking about this too and they feel guilty if they're using a lot of plastic bottles as well so it, it helps everybody um that is our time it went so quickly alexandra i could talk to you for hours i feel like you have <laughs> such a wonderful depth of knowledge about all these issues and it's like you said many times each area each situation it is really case by case and it takes local approaches to really make it work um, but i am so encouraged to know that there are organizations like yours who are doing that who are not having like a one this is the way no matter where you are no matter what you're doing um, but you're really looking at it getting local advice and then moving forward and reassessing and i think that's so key to having a sustainable business for sure mm. yeah. thank it's, you very much it was yeah. also a pleasure talking to you oh, <laughs> yes i can go on and on forever so yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i want to have you on again definitely i think we can definitely have another hour in there for sure um but thank you so much for all the thank good you. work that you're doing uh, not only practically with action, but also just having the conversation and raising awareness, you know, what you're doing even within your organization is so valuable. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for joining and uh, join us again next time. Thank you so much. Round and around and around in the middle of my classroom. I show my tears to you, I'm stronger I drop the armor, now 